All right, well, let's get into the preaching this morning. Hope you had a good week. As I've already said, as I've already said, hope you had a good week. And uh, I was looking forward to being back and preaching like crazy. That's what I was telling them all week. I can't wait to get back. I'm going to preach like a wild man Sunday. Um, but I find out there's more people here Wednesday night than there are today. So um, there's something about that. They normally ain't many on Wednesday night when I'm here. Y'all don't want to hear me, I'm telling you. I will get James Esser more often if that's the, if that's the case. Um, but anyways, the point, I just hope that you had a good week. And we love you. We appreciate you. We're glad you're here this morning. We're going to preach on a topic that we haven't preached on in a little while with the help of the Lord. I don't want any huffing. I don't care how long I get. Don't huff. I'm tired of hearing huffs. don't want to hear huffs and puffs while I'm preaching, okay? Simple as that. I don't care how long I get. It could hinder the spirit. But this morning, I'm going to be preaching out of the book of Mark in chapter number 10. And I want you to turn there whenever you found your spot. If you could stand. We're going to be preaching on hell this morning. That's why I said I don't want to be having no huffs. I want to pay attention to the Word of God and what the Lord has said this morning and see where the Lord will lead us. I shouldn't be long, honestly. Mark chapter number 10. Very familiar passage. You all know it. You all know it. You all heard it probably. Never preached out of it. But I want everybody to pay attention the best you can. And thank you for the smiling face, Callie. Keep smiling. Verse 17 says, And the Bible says, When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. How about that? And said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up thy cross, and follow me. And he was sad at the saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. God, we sure do love you this morning. Lord, we sure are glad you've given us another opportunity to come preach the gospel. Pray, God, that you it would not go to, to vain repetitions, it would not go to vain ears, but God, it would go to people who are willing to listen to the Word of God. I pray, God, that you would just open our ears, all of our ears, including mine. To hear what thus saith the Lord this morning. Help us, God. I pray, God, if there be one saved here this morning, one lost, excuse me, here this morning, Lord, that doesn't know you from the free pardon of sin. We know, that God, you've laid this message on my heart, Lord, because you knew who would be here before me. God, and I pray you would not go void. And we know you won't. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm glad that the Lord has laid this on my heart. I've always liked the passage of the rich young ruler, for say. Um, but I, I, there's, there's more or less, no matter how you approach this subject, no matter how you approach this subject at all, hell is an awful thought. Hell is an awful thought, and it's a place of eternal torment. 
It's a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's a place where the peace. It's a place where the pain is unquenchable. Um, there's an unquenchable flames you'll be in. It's unbearable pain. It's brutal, but it's it's full of terrible memories. It's how do you know they're remembering hell? Well, ask the rich man and Lazarus in verse chapter sixteen, the book of Luke. It's full of terrible terrible memories. It's full of horrible thirst. You know, eternal separation from the Savior, that's awful. It's an awful place. It's an awful place. And it's a place prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what hell is prepared for. I haven't preached on the subject of hell in about four months. And I didn't plan on preaching on the subject of hell this morning. That's just kind of how the Lord got it. But going to hell is one thing. But there's another thing, and that's going to hell with heaven on your mind. Going to hell with heaven on your mind. Does this really happen? Does it really happen going to hell with heaven on your mind? The Bible gives us vivid examples of this happening throughout Scriptures. Throughout all Scriptures, we see... uh, I'm going to turn over a few pages just to read a a few verses to to tell you that this does happen in... in, um, in the book of Matthew, chapter 29, verse 49, 26, excuse me, verse 49, it says, And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. He kissed the gates of heaven and went to hell. Judas Iscariot kissed the gates of heaven and went to hell, literally. And then we can turn over here and read in the book of Acts about this other man um, in Acts chapter 24. In verse 25, and we read about this other man by the name of Felix. By the name of Felix, verse 24, verse 25, I mean, chapter 24 and verse 25 says, And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Listen, dying and go to hell ain't your choice. It is your choice that you go to hell. But what I'm saying is the time you do go, it's not your choice. It's not our choice when we can say when we go to heaven or we go to hell. It's not our choice here. But I tell you, we got Judas Iscariot, we got Felix. We can turn over a page and read about this man by the name of King Agrippa. And it says in verse 28, chapter 26, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. My goodness. Then we can, you know, you can read up a little bit farther in, in verse 24. And, and, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doeth make thee mad. Um, so we see Festus heard the gospel there. He heard the gospel message Paul had brought to him. He heard it, but he just thought Paul was a madman. I've been called look like you're mad while you're preaching all the time. Listen, I'm not mad at nobody. I'm just preaching the gospel. And it needs to be preached with an unction and a power. Felix there, as Felix was doing things, he looked into salvation. He literally looked into it, but he wanted to wait for a more convenient time for him. On his own time there. On his own time, King Agrippa, he almost stepped into heaven, but turned away. That's sad. That's some of the saddest words you'll ever hear in the Bible that thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. 
Thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. As far as we know, none of these people got saved. As far as we know, none of them did, but I could only imagine that they had heaven on their mind. I could only imagine that when they went into hell, they had heaven on their mind. I could imagine they were probably thinking of the time when Paul told them about Jesus. And I can imagine that this young rich ruler was, a, was thinking about the time when Jesus told him about the gospel message. Told him about the gospel message. You know, it happens in our text here uh, completely where he was told the whole thing, but never got saved. Told the whole thing. You know, you know he comes to Jesus, hears the way of salvation, he hears the way, turns away, to leave as lost as he came. Leave as lost as he came. As far as we know, this young man never got saved. Never mentions him again in the Bible. As far as we know, he never got saved, but he went to hell with heaven on his mind. It's happening all around us this morning. It's happening all around us. People come in and out of our churches. Continually. They come in and out of our churches. They hear it. They are challenged and they leave the same way they came. Something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. They get told to repent. They're challenged to repent. And they're getting told the gospel message. They're challenged to repent. And then they leave the same way. And you know, lost. They leave lost. They leave headed to hell. They leave headed to hell. If they, I, I assure you, that if they, if they could go back in this text, if these people that I just read about, Judas Iscariot, King Agrippa, Felix, and, and Festus, and then this young rich ruler, if they could go back, I bet you they would have accepted it and not left the same way they were. They wouldn't have been an almost, thou persuadest me, but they would have gotten persuaded to be a Christian. Listen, it's God's persuaded, persuasion. It's not mine. It's not what I... I can't get you saved. Because if I could, you'd all be saved. But I believe most of you are. But, uh, you know, they'll go to hell with heaven on their mind. The people who come in and out of the churches, thinking they're saved, they'll leave one day, knowing the gospel message, knowing what the preacher preached to them for years, knowing all of those things, but they'll have heaven in their heart. They'll have heaven in their mind, but not in their heart. You know, there's a whole thing in this world today that a lot of people have gotten wrong. I got it wrong two times. And the third time I got it right, amen? But I tell you is that a lot of things that they have in this world and this day is people have a head knowledge salvation, but not a heart knowledge salvation. It's 18 inches apart, church. It's 18 inches apart. We got 18 inch salvation in this day, in this hour. When we think we're saved, but in our heart, we're not really saved. I've done it twice. I thought I was saved two times. Even got baptized. But baptism ain't going to do you anything. It ain't going to get you to heaven. It ain't going to do anything good to you. Besides, show the world that you're saved. Did the thief on the right hand get saved? Did he get baptized? No, he didn't get baptized, but he still went to heaven. He still went to heaven. You know, I want to preach on this thought. 
going to heaven, going to hell with heaven on your mind. Going to hell with heaven on your mind. Let's look at a few few facts about this man this morning. As we go through this text, we see his status. You know, all three Gospels tells us that he was a rich young ruler. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tells us he was a rich young ruler. We see he had privilege. He had privilege. He had privilege. And in Matthew chapter 19, verse 22, it tells us that he was young. We can read what the what the note what your notes say in your Bible up top, and mine says, as Schofield says, the rich young ruler. But we can read it, but it doesn't say it in this text. It says he has a lot of possessions. It tells us he's rich, but it doesn't say he's young. But in Matthew chapter nineteen, verse twenty-two, it says he's young. He was a young man, and I tell you, is that you know he lived a life of privilege, though. A life of privilege. You know, the world was his, it seemed to be. Anything he wanted, he could get. He had possessions. He had great possessions. He had, uh, that's what the Bible says in verse 22, he had great possessions. Great possessions. Let me tell you, well within his reach, everything was in this world, church. Everything was well within his reach. You know, he had privilege, he had position. Luke 18, 18 tells us that he that this man was a ruler. He was a ruler. And you know, it probably means there that he had high privileges and high positioning and a lot of people looked up to him in the synagogue. That's what ruler meant. That's what ruler meant. And in the synagogue, he probably had a high position there. So we see here that this man was high in the synagogue, right? What is a synagogue? Does anybody know? A synagogue is, is kind of like today's church. Your Catholic church, typically. But today's church, that's what they done back then. They called it the synagogue. Okay, so we got the synagogue here, and this man was not saved, and he was a ruler in it. A ruler in it. Let me tell you, there's plenty of pastors and preachers today that's going to die off the backs of the pulpit and go to hell. Many of them. Saying to me, Lord, Lord, have I not cast out demons in your name? Have I not done this in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, your workers iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. Church, I just want you to know this morning that this boy had status. He had privilege. He had position. He had pristine. He had pristine according to all Every single one, according to all the info we have about this man, it appears here in verse 20, and he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. He was a moral person. He was a moral human being. People all over looked up to this young, rich ruler. They looked up to him. They looked up to him. He was a religious leader. That tells us that religion ain't going to get you to heaven. Religion won't get nobody to heaven. Religion will send you to hell. But what will get you to heaven is the blood-stained hand of Jesus Christ. The blood-stained cross that bridged the gap from here to heaven for me. Amen. Amen. From, from every outward appearance though, from every outward appearance, what you see, from every outward appearance, this man was riding high. He was riding high on success. He was what every mother and every father wants of a boy. 
He was what every single person wants, you know, their child to be like. If you look at his life, the little bit that he's spoken of in the Bible, it tells that he's rich. It tells he has a lot. It tells he's still young. He's got it made. You with me? He's got it made. And if you look into his life, you might think he had it all. But appearances are deceiving, church. Appearances are deceiving in spite of everything he had going for him. In spite of everything he had going for him. You know, this young rich man had an itch he couldn't scratch. He had an itch he couldn't scratch. He had a big skeleton in the closet. A big one. I mean, he had a big skeleton in the closet and his youth had left him unsatisfied. Even though he had everything, he was left unsatisfied. He was unsatisfied, church. You know, everything he had, yet he was still empty. He was still empty. You know, you can spell empty four different ways, and it still turns out to be empty. You got E-M-P-T-Y, right? That's your typical way of spelling empty. What about M-P-T-Y? Empty. That's empty. You know, there's many different ways. Empty, it's still empty. You can spell it a bunch of different ways. My point that I'm making here is empty is empty. And without Christ, I don't care how much money you got, how good your mom and daddy are, you're still empty. You're still empty. He still had no peace with God. No peace with God. Maybe there are people in here the same shape. Maybe they, I don't know anybody's heart. Maybe the people in here who's the same shape, who's in the same place, and from the outward appearance, you have it all and have it made. You have it all and you have it made. Life has been good to you. Life has been good. Life has been good to you, well known, well thought of, a good person. You have morals. You live a clean life. You, you don't sin a whole lot. You're a church member. You're a leader. You're a teacher. Um... Uh, everyone thinks your life is complete. Everyone. Yet you still have something missing. Yet you still have something missing. You have everything you won't need materialistically. Materially, you have it all. Materially, you have everything you need, but you ain't got peace with God. You ain't got peace with God. Friend, this is a terrible way to live a life. It's a terrible way to live a life, but it's even a worse way to die. So we see his status, and we see where he was in his life. But secondly, we see his search. We see his search here in, here in verse 17, and when he was gone forth into the way. That's the road, by the way. Jesus was on the road. In the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus saith unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I observed from my youth. From his little. He was a moral man. He was a moral man, but we see his search. You know, this boy had concern. He was concerned. He was concerned about his life. This fellow had a lot going for him. He had a lot going for him, church. He had a lot going for him, but he knows he's missing the most important part. And it's pointed out to him. 
It's pointed out to him that he's missing the most important thing of all, and that's a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. A saving relationship with Jesus. Many people realize, many people, many, many, many people realize that there's nothing in this world. There's nothing in this world is more important than your salvation with Jesus. There's a lot of things that people are putting ahead of the relationship with Jesus. What does it say in in chapter 8 and verse 36? For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen, the world's a big place. There's a lot to gain here. But if you ain't got Jesus inside, you ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing. When When I got Jesus, I gained everything. I gained everything. We know that as Jesus is speaking to this rich young ruler, if you read on a little bit farther in verse 23 and on, He talks about the rich man entering into heaven. He said it's easier for a camel to get to the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And it's got an exclamation point after it, by the way. And Jesus says it twice as He's talking to His disciples. And he just talked to this rich young ruler. And what he's talking about is Jesus is saying here that this rich man, rich people can get into heaven. They can. But it's going to be hard because they're going to have a little g-gods in front of the God of heaven. Their money, their wealth, their fame, whatever it may be. It's hard to get that out of the way and put that second for Jesus to be put first. For Jesus to be put first. So we see His search there. You know, there's a lot of things that He was searching for as He came into Jesus. You know, He sees His need and desires to do something about it. He sees His need and desires to do something about it. It said, the Bible said He came running. The Bible says He came running to Jesus. You know, it was an urgent thing. He knew that something was going to take place soon and He needed to get to Jesus while He could. Hey, let me, let me just encourage you this morning. Something's going to happen soon. And you need to get Jesus while you can. You need to get to Jesus while you can. Then it says he kneeled and kneeled before Jesus. You know, he understood there was something special about Jesus. Gave him reverence there. He gave him reverence there. And then it says that in the way, into the way, he was in the middle of the road. He was not ashamed of anything. He didn't care who's seen it. He didn't care anything about it. But yet he still could not give up his possessions. He couldn't. Now, Jesus ain't going to tell you all the time. When Jesus saves a person, he doesn't say, get rid of every single thing you own. No, Jesus says, get rid of every single thing that you're going to put ahead of me. Amen? Everything you're going to put ahead of me, that's what needs to be gotten out of the way. And that's what, because if Jesus isn't first, then you can't get saved unless He's first. He has to be first in our lives, church. He has to be first. But I tell you, He wasn't ashamed about His need there. He came pondering the issues of eternity. Amen. He came pondering the issues of eternity. He wanted to know, how can I get eternal life? How can I have a life that's everlasting? How can I have a life that's never going to end? How can I do that? How can I inherit this thing? You know, this man knows a lot of things, yet his powers, possessions, and his privileges 
Haven't done anything for them, church. Haven't done anything. Haven't answered the, the best question of all. The greatest question of all. You know, he, he does not know the way to heaven. He doesn't know it. John 14.6 tells us that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If we realize that there's only one way, and that's the way. Remember I preached that message? There's a way, there's the devil's way, there's your way, there's his way, and then there's his way. Amen? And his way is the only way. That's the only way that we can get to heaven and have eternal life. But this man knew a lot, but he didn't know that. He didn't know that at all. You know, you don't find many, many people thinking today about eternity. You don't find many people thinking about today. Listen, I'm thinking about eternity as the days go on. Heaven's getting closer to me. Heaven's getting a whole lot closer. Most are wrapped in self, though. Most are wrapped in, wrapped in their self. And we live in the most advanced culture in ever. We live in the most advanced Play, nation, we live in the most advanced culture. We live in the in, in this world that we live in. It's the smartest world that you'll ever be in. Besides heaven. It's not world anyways, it's heaven. But we live in the most advanced culture ever, and yet a lot of people still don't know how to get saved. They can place a man on the moon, and they still don't know how to get saved. They can put, they can split atoms in half. And they still don't know how to get saved. Something's wrong. Something's wrong right there. People don't know how to get to heaven. Most don't care. Most don't care how to get to heaven. Most don't care about it. At least this young man was concerned about his soul. Was concerned about it. It was. He was concerned. Are you concerned about your soul? Listen, if you're saved, you can, you can still be concerned about your soul. I'm concerned about my soul. I care about my soul. Because I have to set it. Warren Elliott told me, if you're if 99% saved, 100% going to hell, right? 99% saved, 100% going to hell. You know what? We should be concerned about our soul. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says, It's appointed unto a man wants to die, and after this is judgment. Everybody's going to die. Even the two that were taken up out of the Bible is going to die one day. Enoch and Elijah, they're going to take up, and they're going to come back down as witnesses, and they're going to die. They're going to lay in the street dead. Then they're going to die again. Hey, we're going to die. Everybody's going to pass into this life and go into the next life. Everybody is going to do it. Death is coming. It's coming soon. I believe. I believe it's coming soon. If, it, if, I, don't go, if I don't go by Jesus coming and getting me, I'm going one way or another sometime. I'm going one day. And one day soon we'll leave this wicked, rotten world. And if you're not saved, you'll go to hell with heaven on your mind. So he was he was concerned about this. And he was confused about it. He was confused about it. There at the end, he said, Master, what shall I? What's that next word? Two-letter word. Do. He had it all wrong. He had it all wrong. Let, let, let's give him credit, though. Let's give him a little bit of credit. He is concerned about the right issue in the presence of the right man. Um, he comes at the right time, thank God. And, and, you know, he came in the right way, too. Amen? 
He came in all those. He had a lot of things right. He gets a lot of things right in his encounter with the, encounter with the Lord. But it's what he gets wrong that's terrible. It's, it's what he gets wrong that causes trouble. He thinks salvation can be earned. What must I do to in turn to get inherit eternal life? What must I do? You know, he is looking for do oriented salvation. That's how this man's got a bunch of money his whole life. He might have had it passed down. He might have inherited it. But here we see that he he wants to have a hand in it. Here, mm. he wants to have a hand in. It. He wants to get it like he got everything else. Like he got everything else to earn it. Then I see that he 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 simply he thinks salvation is an award, is reward, a reward. Master, what shall I do? You know, what shall I do? What can I do? I can't do a thing. I can't do a thing. The Bible tells us that we have to confess. That's about the only thing we can do to inherit. But I tell you, he seems to he seems to think that if he just does enough good things. Enough good things that he will inherit eternal life. Am I right? You know, salvation is not a reward, church. It's not a reward for faithful service. It's not a reward for, for, for all of these things. It's a free gift of God's grace. That's what the Bible says it is. It's a free gift. It's given, thank God. It's given. What do we got here? Luke, I mean, John chapter... 10 verse 28. Let me read a verse there. I think the Lord will give me the liberty to do that. It says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He gives it to us. It's freely given by God's grace, church. That's what that that's what salvation is. We can never do anything to earn it. Nothing to earn salvation. Many still today believe it's a due salvation. They get it by their good works. They get it by their good works. Uh, join a church, get baptized, teach, preach, give, be moral, and stop sinning. That'll get you to heaven. Nah. Nah, friend. That ain't, nah, 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 friend. That ain't going to get you nowhere. It's not what you do. It's what He did that gets you to heaven. Amen. It's what He did. Jesus said it is finished. That means you ain't got to do a thing about it. It is finished. There's nothing we can do to get our own church. There's nothing that we could ever do to get our own. So we see His confusion. Now we see His confession though. Verse 20, He says, And answered and said unto Him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. There was a challenge in between those few verses right there that I skipped. There was a challenge in, in, in ver, between verses seventeen on and, verses eighteen and nineteen. There was a challenge there. You got to dig a little deeper. So, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through it, but I'm going to hit a little bit of it. And 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 we see that Jesus Jesus challenged him. Um, listen, he's not just a good master. He's not just a good master. He's God. Yeah, man. He's not just a good master. We see. That he says, good master, what shall I do? And Jesus said unto him, what callest thou me good? There's none good but one. And that's God. 
He's not just a good master. He's not just a good master. And, and they were thinking he's a teacher. That's what a lot of them thought in those days. He's a teacher. But he's, he, he's saying there that believing me to be but a human teacher, why callest thou me good? You with me? He's saying, hey, all you ever think of is me being a good teacher. That's all they thought he was in that day. You think I'm just a good teacher? Then why are you calling me good? Master. Well, you call me good and master, but he and, and then Jesus speaks commandments to him. You know, it's one thing when Jesus speaks commandments, it's another thing when Jesus speaks life. But Jesus here speaks commandments. Why does He speak commandments? Because He wants Him to see His sins. He wants Him to see His sins, His spiritual condition. This man's response to the Lord's challenge in that by telling Jesus that He has kept all these since He was a little boy, since His youth. Since His youth, Jesus didn't rebuke Him for His claim. Think about, we, we, we serve a God of grace, right? She's just a thought. We serve a God of grace, yet He is a God of love, He is a God of grace, but He also is a God of wrath. But Jesus did not rebuke this man for saying that He has kept all of those since His youth. He didn't rebuke him. Jesus knows it all. But what if God is, what if Jesus was such a God of grace that He only named the commandments that He had kept His whole life? That he had kept his whole life. And maybe this guy was right. But notice that every single one of these commandments is a relationship to man-to-man relationship, not a man-to-God relationship. It says nothing about keeping the Sabbath holy. It says nothing about taking the Lord's name in vain. It says nothing about all that. But what it talks about is it talks about a man-to-man relationship that maybe this moral young man had kept. That's a God of grace right there. That's a God of grace right there, church. And I tell you, is that Jesus was a man who looked just like you and I. Maybe a little rougher. He was a rough-looking man that knew God, that was God, and that still is God. But He... Kept rather rather than rather than mentioning the ones he broke. Notice, notice though in verse. I, I want to mention this. Notice in verse nineteen. Thou knowest the commandments: do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, and defraud not honor thy father and mother. I, I know I've already said this a little bit, but I want to, I want this to go through your mind to make sure that literally he did not mention one thing about his relationship with him. Not one. He did not mention about the Sabbath. Maybe this guy, now listen, I understand missing church sometimes. Maybe this guy had not missed church. Maybe this guy had missed a bunch of church. Jesus didn't call that out on him. Rather than calling him out like Jesus could, he just called out maybe, I don't know, but maybe he just called out the ones that he had not committed. The ones that he had kept his whole life. And this man wasn't lying. But it also says that he had observed them. So it doesn't mean he was perfect in them. It doesn't mean that he was perfect in them. But, but you know, 
None of those things that God, that Jesus mentioned there. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. To fraud, not honor the Father. None of those. None. Not one. Will get you into heaven. Not one of them. Not one will get you and make you right with God. Not one of them. You can be a moral, decent, religious, have respect and treat others with respect and treat others great, but heaven still may not be yours. Heaven still may not be yours. So we see his status, though. I'm almost done. We see his status. And then we see his search. And then lastly, in verse 21, then Jesus beholding him, loved him, what a loving God, and said, unto him one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up thy cross, follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. So we see not only his status and his search, but we see his sorrow. We see his sorrow, you know, we see firstly, I want, I, want, I want to mention this, we see the master's requirement. The master's requirements. You know, when Jesus hears his response to keeping the commandments, when Jesus hears the response, you know, the Lord reaches out to this young man. He tells him clearly. He tells him clearly how to be saved. He breaks it down for him. He said, I already told you up there a little bit, but I'm going to tell you again. This is it. I see the Lord's compassion in this. I see the Lord's compassion in this. He's such a compassionate God. His love here. You know, I see His love. He says, Jesus, it says, our word tells us that then Jesus beholding Him, loved Him. He loved me. When I was down in my sin, when I had already rejected Him once, He still loved me. He still loved me in spite of His sins, in spite of His misunderstandings of the things of God. He still loved Him. Jesus loved that lost sinner. Take that thought in and sink it right into your heart. Jesus loved lost sinners. Let me tell you something. He loves you too. He loves you too. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. I don't know who might not be right with God in here this morning. But He loves you. How do you know He loves you? Well, Romans 5.8 tells us that In this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was on Him. With His stripes we were healed. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we're talking about eternal life here. And we're seeing these things that God loves the sinner. Hey man, God didn't love the religious crowd. God didn't go into church and share it with the religious crowd and the ones that looked the part. But He shared it with the ones that didn't look the part at all. The sinners out on the streets. The sinners out there. The drunkards. The harlots. Those type of people are the ones Jesus shared the gospel message with. We need to get on our feet, church, and think about this. We're not reaching those people as much. We, we are. We still are. And I thank God for it. 
but not as much as we could. Not as much as we could. And my point that I'm making here is that this man, they may leave sorrowful, but they heard the gospel message. Your job is not to save a person, but to plant a seed. Jesus will sow the seed. Jesus will do the work that you don't have to do a thing besides tell them about Jesus. But we see that we got to tell them in compassion. Don't tell them because you're mad at them. You need Jesus. No! You need Jesus for telling them like that. We need to tell them in love. I don't care how bad they look. If we, Jesus loved me, that's enough to say right there, I don't care if they have a beer bottle pressed against their lips. Tell them Jesus loves them in a good manner. Because you ain't going to get blessed if you don't. I don't care if they're smoking and high and all that kind of stuff. I don't care. Jesus loved them. He died for them. We should too. My goodness, it's not about getting the ones who think they're perfect inside a church. It's the ones who know they're not. That's the only one God can save. You know that? That's the only ones that God can save are the ones that know they're not perfect. Not the ones who think they are perfect. they got to be humble. Hey, all I'm saying this morning is that we need to get on it because God's compassion towards us is a lot more than we show towards other people. Listen, ugly faces don't do it good. Ugly faces don't do it good. Judgment doesn't do it good from the appearance here. There's too many people that's judging the appearance of somebody. God says don't judge the appearance, but judge righteously. I'm not talking about walking up to them and telling them their sins. I'm I'm talking about walking up to them and telling them that Jesus loves them. Hey man, have you ever handed a tract to a homeless man and tell them Jesus loves them? If you've handed a tract to a homeless man and tells them Jesus loves them, you'll get a whole lot more than telling them they're nasty, they stink, and they need a shower. Because those people don't know love. They don't know love. But when you tell them you love them, and when you tell them Jesus loves them, no matter their stink. Let me tell you something. He pulled me out of the mire. Thank God. He pulled me out of the mire and put a song in my heart. He could do it for them too. Hey man, I'm glad that God loves me. I'm glad that He has compassion upon an old sinner like me. Compassion upon an old sinner like me. All it takes is coming by faith. That's all it takes. Let me tell you. Um, John chapter 6 verse 37 says that He will in no wise cast you out. If you come by faith. In no wise will He cast you out, thank God. Uh, No one in this world may care, but the blessed name of Jesus, Jesus cares. My goodness, He cares so much. He loves you. And He cares for you. And He died for you. And I'm glad that even though I sorrowed one day, He still loved me. He still loved me. Then we see the Lord's confrontation. Jesus gets right to the heart matter of things, church. He gets right to the heart matter. He said, one thing thou lackest. One thing thou lackest. You have everything else, but one thing you lack. 
One thing you lack here. You know, this man needed to get rid of all these other things that he already had, these little G-gods that he already had, and he is told to sell and get give to the needy what he has. That's hard to do anyways. I don't care how good you are. That's hard to do. But this will guarantee him riches in heaven. Guarantee him riches in heaven. And, and you know, you will never make it to Jesus. Ever. You'll never make it to Jesus unless you're willing. Now listen to that one specific word. Unless you're willing to lay down the little G-gods. And you'll never make it to Him and give everything to Him. Listen, doesn't mean He's going to ask you for that. But you got to be willing when you go to Him. This man wanted salvation but wasn't willing to give it up. Wasn't willing to give those things up, church. You know, you may have a lot going for you. But if you like Jesus, you ain't got nothing. You're lost. You're lost. We see the Lord's compassion. We see the Lord's confrontation. We see the Lord's call. We see the Lord's call upon this man. You know, Jesus called him, you know, to die to self. To die to self and totally commit his life to Jesus. Totally commit his life to Jesus. Turn your back on everything he said. Let me ask you something. Have you trusted Jesus enough this morning to drop everything you've ever had? Now, we got to be willing vessels to do that. Doesn't mean He's going to ask us to do that. But we got to be willing to do that. Have you trusted Him enough to drop everything above Him, though? There's Christians that have more important things than God. Christians. Christians. And But that's His demand there. That's His demand to this young man. Might not be to you, but this is His demand. Let me ask you, is He calling you? Is He calling you like He did to Him? You know, so not, not only we see the Master's requirements though, and we see the compassion of the Lord, the confrontation of the Lord, and the call of the Lord, but I want you to just realize this, and I'm done after this one. We see the master's requirements. Then we see the man's rejection. Verse 22 says, And he was sad at the saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. This man was looking for an easy fix. He was looking for an easy fix. He wanted salvation, but on his terms. He wanted to add Jesus to his resume. read a story about Brother John MacArthur over there in California. And this is what John MacArthur said. He said he was witnessing to a young man who was in some place over like Africa, Brazil, somewhere. I can't India. India, that's what it was. said he was witnessing to this young man and... Um, said he told him about Jesus. And it was a young actor that was in India. So he told him about Jesus and he went through the whole thing, said this guy kneeled down and said, the whole Roman road went through everything, the confirmation verses, everything that you could possibly do. Said that when he got done, that young, young actor in India looked up at him and said, Hey, isn't it wonderful? Now I have Muhammad and Jesus. It doesn't work that way, church. 
It does not. It does not work that way at all. You know, the Bible says that he was sad. He was sad and grieved. This man was broken hearted. He was broken hearted. He came to Jesus with heaven on his mind, but left with hell on his, as his home. Left with hell as his home, as his destination. It don't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way. He made his bed, now he had to lay in it. He made his bed. Now He made two heartbreaking decisions in this. Heartbreaking. And it, it, should, it should break the heart of every child of God in this place. He made these two heartbreak, heartbreaking decisions. He made an earthly decision. He chooses possessions over Jesus. He chose possessions over Jesus, church. You know, he loved his money more than he wanted to be saved. He loved his money more than... Jesus will allow you to make the same decision. though. He will allow you to make the same exact choice, but is it worth more than my soul? Ask yourself that. Is what I have worth more than my soul? And then we see he made an eternal decision. Not only did he make an earthly decision, but he made an eternal decision. One day this man's youth faded. His young age, I don't know how old he was, but his young age faded. It faded on away. And when he died, he found out that his religion and moral lifestyle only sent him to hell. His religion and moral lifestyle were not enough. He found himself in hell, lost forever. Lost forever. He walked away from the only hope he had that day. Sad and grieved. He walked away from Jesus. If you would, stand to your feet this morning. Church, is decision time. It's decision time. We've got down to the things and the nitty gritty of this man. The nitty gritty, the small down low facts of this young man. He had concern about his... He had all of that stuff. He had the search. He come out and he searched, right? But then he walked away sorrowful. He walked away sorrowful. As far as we know, this young man died and went to heaven, went to hell. He went to hell, but he went there with heaven on his mind. I bet you remember the day. Don't let that happen to you. I don't know who I'm talking to in here this morning, but God knows. Don't let that happen to you. Consider where your faith is today. Where is your faith this morning? What do you trust in? Good works? Money? Clean living? A good name? They'll all fail you. Every single one of them will fail you. You may have a lot going for your life, church. You may have a lot going for your life. A lot. But if you lack Jesus, you lack everything. You're lost. You're headed to hell. Get eternity settled, church. Get it settled. Don't go to hell with heaven on your mind. I'm done.